Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Look, we're going, to get a, we're going to explore some scripture, we're going to explore a story in scripture and what that might mean for us. Used to using the Bible uh, or haven't used it before, we've got some black Bibles available down at the back here that our ushers can help you out. Um, uh, or we've got uh, the YouVersion app, if you look up bible.com and download the app, uh, you can follow along the live event there as well and all the scripture verses are on there as well that we'll be using um, but now, after all that, I'm just going to pray. I'll collect my breath, and you will as well, and uh, we'll get into the Word, eh? So, Father, we want to thank you for this day again. We need to thank you again. We want to say, to God be the glory. Um, as much as we recognise and honour and celebrate so many people who have served so generously and faithfully, we want to say that you are God. And Father, I pray that in this time now that your spirit would speak in the hearts and minds for those who might not understand, for those who aren't sure who you are or what you're about. God, that I pray that um, your, you would minister your love into their lives today. For those of us who have uh, followed you and become jaded or disappointed or frustrated or not sure about the church, Father, that you would encourage us and awake us again to who you are. For those of us who are faithful and, and maybe even just plodding along comfortably, stir us, Father, to something new and deep and rich that is life-changing and transforming. May we be awakened to your purposes and your glory as we explore your word today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know what you think about when you think about forever. I don't know, maybe the idea of few, maybe it energises you, maybe it overwhelms you. Maybe it wears you out and you think of, when you think about forever or someone gets you thinking about forever, you're thinking, I can barely think about tomorrow. Um, I don't know if you're the kind of person who thinks about five or ten year goals. Anyone in the house who thinks about five or ten year goals? Six of us. All right, that's okay. So forever could be a long time away for some of us. Um, it's yes, in some ways, in a, I'm trying to describe it, and you can look up a, a dictionary definition if you like, but it's in some senses, forever is the measure of time or a desire to be committed, to follow through, to be counted, to have a bigger picture, to be aware of something bigger than ourselves, as Alan reflected along the, uh, as part of the communion. It's to be counted for the long haul, to consider the long haul. It's to recognise beyond what we might be a part of right now in this very moment. That there's something much more significant and larger than what we can understand, comprehend, see, touch or feel in this very moment. It is the past, it is the present, it is the future. Been and it is what is yet to come. It is what we have known and it is what we are yet to know. It is what we have experienced and it is what we are yet to experience. That is forever. It is those who have gone before us and it is those who are yet to come after us. That is forever. What's your forever? Forever is part of our everyday language. We're told as we grow up as children that um, this behaviour will establish your pattern and your understanding forever. This is the way that you will live your life. We're told when we go to school that this will set you up for life or not, the decisions that you make in your schoolwork, 
in how you manage that. We're told as we stand at the altar that we are willing to commit that we understand right then and there in that moment that our forever is until death parts us. What's your forever? What's your moment of recognising that you're part of something much bigger than this moment right now? See, for all of us, it looks very different too. Our understanding looks very different from if you're a five-year-old, forever looks like so far away. But if you're 105, forever might not look so big, might it? Forever is shaped by our experiences, our conversations, our intimate relationships, our friendships, our successes and our failures. Forever is shaped by the pain that we have been caused by others. But how we measure forever isn't as important as how we live with whatever time we have. See, forever isn't something that we create. We teach We need to teach those in such a way that are to come that what we know now doesn't suffocate the future. Because certainly, as we're well aware, the things that we might have known when we were younger, the way that we understood life, the way that we engaged in life, um, interacted with one another, has changed significantly. And we need to take that and pass that on to future generations, not in a way to say this is the way it will be forever. Because what we know is that nothing is forever. Our task this weekend is not to declare how it will be forever because we can never do that. We don't have the capacity, the authority, the skill, the creativity to distinguish and determine what will be forever. It's not to declare the way it will be forever, but to make a declaration that is already endured forever and will endure forever to come. So uh, Matthew chapter 16, this is a time when Jesus is uh, beginning to lead his disciples, his followers towards Jerusalem. He's beginning to teach them and stir within them and awaken them something new and understand the richness of what this forever could look like for them. He says this, well this is part of the story in Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they reply, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my body. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you um, bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now I don't want us to get too worked up about binding in heaven and binding on earth. That's simply saying what is available to me is available to you. I don't know if that's how you've understood it, but Jesus is saying I'm revealing something to you that you can release here on earth. And we all long for something, a little bit of expression of heaven, I'm sure. You might not call it heaven for it, but you hope for something more, all of us. And Jesus is making that promise. But I want to go back to the statement, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Because I suspect if we sat as uh, volunteers, if we sat with uh, our ministry team 
And I sat around after a while and I, we got talking and I sat with them and I said, who do you think people say I am? I reckon in our Australian culture, they probably think or reflect and say something along the lines of, why are you so interested in what other people think about you? It doesn't matter what other people think about you. A sense, a, a sense of insecurity. I'd be told um, to not get too far ahead. Being good Australian people, we'd want to knock the tall poppy off a little bit quicker, wouldn't we? But this isn't Jesus being insecure. This isn't Jesus um, wondering what people are thinking. This is a significant moment for those closest to Jesus as it is for us today. See, earlier, just before this conversation, Jesus warned his followers to be on guard, to be wary, to be cautious, to be mindful of the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be on your guard, if you like, with what you will hold on to forever. Be on your guard with what you value so tightly and so rigidly. Be on your guard against the traditions and the regulations and the expectations of those who think they have all the answers because you might be missing out on another kind of forever. See, Jesus isn't in understand who he is. And when we understand who Jesus is, that shapes what we value. It shapes how we think. It shapes what gives us life, what gives us energy, what gives us purpose. When Jesus was walking around the earth with his followers and you were compared to John the Baptist, I mean, this would be the pinnacle of religious leaders. If you were compared to Elijah, this would be the pinnacle of the religious leaders of the time. If you were compared to any of the prophets, I mean, this would be, you would be right up, you would be highly regarded as a religious leader in this time. This is like saying, Simon Rissen, you're like David Ratton. You're like Harvey Clark or Harold Long or Wally Gibney recognising the people of our history. Simon Rissen, you've, you've, you remind me of Alan Anderson. People would walk around with a sense of um, their shoulders would be put back and, and raised up in a different question. See, while their words and their actions and the lives of John the Baptist and Elijah or any of the prophets pointed to Jesus, he wasn't being recognised. And so Jesus says, you've heard what others think. Who do you say I am? Just found a photo of Buddy Jesus hanging around. <clears throat> Who do you say I am? You've heard my teaching. Who do you say I am? And they say, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, as I said, I don't know many of your stories. And some of you might be sitting here today going, this Jesus stuff has got a, it's, it's just rubbish, it's rot. Well, that's okay. I'm grateful that you're here today and I'm okay with you thinking that. Because you might actually have to let go of what you've held on to forever to discover the reality of Jesus. Some of us sitting here have been sitting here for a long, not specifically here, for a long period of time. And it might be about time that we actually let go of our idea of Jesus. Because maybe we've held so strongly onto our traditions and our understandings and our religious concept kind of forever that Jesus has in store for us as well. See, this statement, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, was an astonishing revelation. See, no one has recognised, acknowledged or Jesus until this very moment. Until this very moment in Matthew chapter 16 as it's recorded there. And it transforms their thinking. 
it transforms their forever. It transforms what motivates them, it transforms them, transforms how they respond. It transforms the church of the time. So it's not meant to be very complicated, this story. We do a great job of overcomplicating this story. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, we read, Jesus said, I don't heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Some translations suggest that you've revealed them in a simple way. To simple people, which is really good because my name's Simon. Simple Simon for those who didn't get it. <clears throat> so this isn't something that's learnt in books. This isn't something that you can take a hold of because I stand up here and tell you to believe in it. That you can even take a hold of because it's something that your parents have told you to do. This isn't even something that you can pick up and take a hold of because um, it's something that you go to school and learn about or you come to Sunday school or whatever that looked like. But this statement, you are the Christ, a simple revelation of a personal encounter with the living God. Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. And it's just over 130 years ago that people came to Horsham with a similar, can you believe that just over 130 years ago, someone thought we need to go to Horsham from Melbourne? Now, some people from Melbourne still struggle with that concept. Um, it's a long way from Melbourne. Um, it seems to take people longer to get to Horsham from Melbourne than it does to take us to get there. But 130 years ago, our struggle with that kind of concept, can you imagine moving, traveling from Melbourne to a little town 130 years ago. And it was because of this one statement. You are the Christ. You are the one who saves. You are the one who restores. You are the one who makes whole. You are the one who makes new. You are the son of the living God. See, people don't endure that. unless you're overwhelmed by the truth of this statement. There's no other motivation for it. The church doesn't last 130 years without a group of people believing in this statement. It just doesn't. Churches have tried. Plenty of groups of people have tried. Let's start a church because we don't like that church down the road. Let's start a church because that hasn't worked very well. But the church is meant to be built on this statement. Life is meant to be built on this statement. And we're here today because of those who have gone before us. And I don't know what they imagined in their forever. I, don't, I suspect they probably didn't think in 1887, 1888, they weren't thinking of, I can pretty much guarantee that they weren't imagining facilities like this. I imagine they'd be probably offended that there's a minister standing up here without a tie on. And in a coloured shirt. They might be questioning the use of drums and technology in service. They couldn't have imagined this. But they established something, they built something, they spoke of something on this statement. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And that statement has endured forever and will endure forever to come. See, what we've learnt is that throughout our history is that there's no facility that lasts forever. I think the Horsham Church of Christ in terms of facilities has seen mixes. There's people from Haven and Polkemet and Matoa and 
all those kind of buildings that Churches of Christ used to be a part of, that's not going to last forever. So we are here before, because of those who have gone before us and we must gather here keeping in mind those who are to come after us. So regardless of our generation, regardless of our learning, regardless of by more than location, time or relationships, we are connected, as again Alan reminded us earlier, um, by the declaration that transforms the world. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. That truth doesn't change. Now you might be saying, sitting here today saying, well Simon, you don't understand my life. And I mentioned this a couple of times and, um, over the last few weeks. And no, you're right, I don't. I don't know the hardships in your home. I don't know the hardships in your workplaces. I don't know the things you've had to grow up with. You're right. Absolutely. That doesn't change this truth. I don't know the abuse that you've experienced. I don't know the heartache that you're going through right now. But that doesn't change this truth. This is a truth that can restore you and give you purpose, help you look at things from a new perspective, help you see things from a new perspective. We look at this statement and we go, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, but did you see what Simon did last week? Do you know my boss? Do you know what my wife is like? Do you know what my husband is like? Do you know what my parents are like? And then we say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No, I've got that backwards. We need to say first, God, and then look at our situations, then look at our circumstances, then look at other people, and maybe we find a bit of freedom. No, not actually even maybe. <laughs> if we put that lens, that transforms our whole way of thinking. See, it's right and it's good that we celebrate the achievement that these facilities are. It's good and it's right that we honour the people who have discussed and prayed for and wrestled and even been a part of arguments. But we stand now on the edge of a new forever. Whether you're a part of a Horsham Church of Christ and maybe you're here because you're checking it out, maybe you're here because it's a, a supermarket, as David Ratton said last night, um, maybe you're trying to work out what church is about, what Jesus is about, all sorts of things that might be there. But right now, whatever your reason for being here, you stand on the edge of a new forever. A forever that you can't imagine and a forever that you can't comprehend. And the forever is built on this statement. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Paul, uh, the movers and shakers, if you like, of the early church, he wrote these words, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now we struggle with that language. I'm doing okay, I've got a nice house, I've got a nice car, I've got a great job, I've got a great family. I don't need to be saved and maybe your life isn't so great but you're not going to have anyone tell you that you need to be saved because you've got life under control. The more we try and wrestle our control and have it on control and do everything according to our own terms, that's exactly what this passage is talking about. We've made ourselves Lord over our own lives and we missed the point. And once we make this declaration, see, because of our experiences are different, it's not mine to say what this will mean for you. I'm not going to stand up here and say your life will just be smooth sailing after this because that would be a horrible, horrible lie. To make this statement, though, is a call to healing 
And it is a call that turns us away from our pride and our guilt and our shame and it brings repentance or a turning around so that we might walk in life. Create a safe future. If we spend all our time protecting what we have, what we know, how we think life should happen, we miss the opportunity that this one statement that says, um, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, can bring in in our lives. It's not safe, but it is our refuge. It is our hope. It's not safe, but it is a statement that can bring a transforming experience because it is our past and it is our future. See, we gather here and we will gather here every week for the foreseeable future, for our forever. And we gather here to be encouraged, to be stirred on. We are part of something much bigger than what we might go through on a daily basis. To be reminded that we are not on our own. To be reminded of this declaration that says Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Gathering. We are part of an eternal declaration. Jesus is the Christ. He is the one who saves, restores, brings healing and hope. He is the Son of the living God. It's for those, and it's for those who are to come after us. It's a revelation of God's love for us. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is still more to come. There is still more to be done and greater things to come. It's a declaration that reminds us and proclaims that God is still the God of this city. That continues to awaken new forevers, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and whatever we're a part of. Father, we want to thank you and honour you for the declaration that has endured, has gone past time, this simple declaration that has endured so long, despite so many trying to squash it, so many trying to push it aside, it has endured and grows stronger today to who you are, to what your promise is. Awaken us to what you hope for us. Grant us the courage to put down those things that cause us to resist you so that we might walk in new life from this declaration, that we might see others differently because of this declaration. Whatever we know, whatever we've experienced, Father, may we be reminded that you, that you have revealed yourself fully through Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.